Okay, here's the gist. I'm a gay guy who's been living in New York City for the past three decades. I got shit to talk about. I also have awesome friends who also have a lot of shit to talk about. That's what this podcast is about. Way off the record. People that you never hear from that you need to hear from. Because trust me, girl, you need this fabulous in your life. Welcome to Way Off the Record. I'm here talking with my beautiful cousin, Brittany. Uh, hi, Brittany. How are you? Good, Scott. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. So we're going to be talking about uh, Brittany's ordeal with uh, Lyme disease um, and what she went through uh, initially when she found out that she had contracted Lyme and the different medical treatments and things, and ultimately, uh, treatment and you know Western and Eastern medicine. It was her beautiful spirit that helped her um, overcome this. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Scott. Hey, girl. All right. <clears throat> so let's talk about, um, let's start at the very beginning. Tell me how you initially found out that you had Lyme or sensed it and then found out by tests and things. Okay. Um, it was two years ago. I had noticed a very odd red mark on the back of my armpit. And it wasn't a typical bullseye red mark. It looked more or less like a poison ivy um, rat. So I didn't really do much more than put um, calamine lotion on it to see if that helps soothe the rash. And then as weeks went on, it turned into a bright pink circle. And then um, it ultimately turned into a really big red bullseye within a day or two. It was very hot. It was probably five centimeter five inches in diameter um it was it was like this big oh. and um at that point i had gone to the doctor i didn't have any symptoms other than the rash and um when the doctor saw the rash she instantly said yes you have been bit by a tick but we can't say for sure you have lyme disease um and at which point they had given me the western blot test to see if i had contracted the disease um and then about a week later I, at, the, in the, at that appointment, she had put me on about 10 days of doxycycline, which is the typical antibiotic that they prescribe people who have been even just bit by a tick um, as preventative measures. And about a week later, she called me back and said that I was positive for multiple strains of Lyme. Oh. So their, their Lyme disease is like the all-encapsulating disease. And then there's other um, variations in co uh, Different, like, oops, or, no, that's, no, that's, no. So there's different strains of Lyme disease that fall into an umbrella sort of thing? Correct. <laughs> um, and at which point from that point on, I started taking, as soon as I started taking the doxycycline, I was uh, experiencing what's called herxing. And that's when the die off of the spirochets, the Lyme disease itself, starts to kind of infect your body and makes you toxic. And you start feeling really tired. Um, I, my, one of my biggest symptoms was confusion and loss of memory. I was very disoriented in my everyday life. I went from being able to remember everything to pretty instantly having minimal memory of my day-to-day -day activities, feeling like I was slowly but at the same time very fast losing control over my ability to control my own life. 
Um, once my test came back positive, they increased the doxycycline for a month. And um, after the month went by, I was still really, really sick. I was struggling to go to work. I was struggling with daily activities, feeling very tired, hot flashes when I was sleeping. Um, it, it's kind of just like you're feeling sick, but you can't put your finger on it. Right. And in all, the depression was beginning to happen at that point where I every day was just losing a little bit of hope and seeing this downward spiral that I was experiencing um, through the disease. Uh, in which at that point, the my primary doctor felt like she wasn't able to do much more. So she sent me to the CDC in Albany to have them do some more testing on me. Mm -hmm. All at the same time that I was seeing my primary doctors and stuff, I had already had a pre-existing relationship with my acupuncturist named Warren, who has been um, specialized in Lyme and treatments of Lyme for a long time. So while I was seeing him, he was helping me through um, giving me acupuncture and using a Rife machine which uses sound vibrations through copper. You hold it throughout your body and it breaks up um, the bacteria better than antibiotics can to some extent. Wow, that means, okay. Um, so when I went to the CDC, I had a very interesting experience. Um, like I said, I had the bullseye rash. I had multiple positive tests at this time because they continued to test me just to make sure there wasn't any false positives. Um, and I, I felt like there was no question of whether or not I had Lyme. I had all of the symptoms. And uh, so I traveled to the CDC and the lady that I saw told me that it was more likely that I had the following diseases. Mono, because of my job, which um, I work with people with disabilities and there's no way that you can contract mono through that. Um, and then she said I might have rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, or... Um, carpal tunnel. <laughs> so I looked at her and I said, I find it very interesting that you would assume that I have four different diseases or, um, you know, problems, but you wouldn't go with the one that's very obvious and clear that I have real testing and uh, symptoms for. So hold up, hold on. So she's not even like taking blood work or she's just looking at you and saying you have this, 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 this. Yes. It was a very unfortunate experience. Um, and I did actually say that to her that I, I felt like it was very unfair that she was assuming I had four unrelated diseases and problems that had really nothing to do with why I was there. So I went back to my primary, still very sick at this point. I had already gone through the 30 days of doxycycline. I was continuing to have symptoms and they were getting worse and the medicine didn't really feel like it was helping at all. I never really had any um, relief through all of that. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my doctor, fortunately, very fortunately, there was an infectious disease doctor in Glens Falls that had just began practicing again. And she took very limited patients, but due to my situation, she accepted and said that she would take me and treat me. So I went to her, and she tried at this point, she switched up the antibiotics and gave me a, a different variety of antibiotics, but I had uh, negative reactions to all of them in which I was, it was one thing after the next, like I would have a super red face and rashes and um, digestive problems. And they just, they were, the pros 
the cons were out not outweighing the pros. They were just, it wasn't working for me. So we went back to the doxycycline. This is probably about a good six months into treatment. I was gonna uh, what the what the time frame was, yeah. Yep. So all within that time, I continued to see acupuncture twice a week, use the rake machine, use the um, UV sauna, and then followed her protocol of what she wanted me to do with the antibiotics, which were sometimes helping, sometimes not, um, but ultimately not. I also ended up uh, kind of using more supplements to help me get through my day-to-day -day life, such as maca, which helped increase my energy, um, ashwagandha, something that I use to help fight the depression, cat's claw and oil of oregano or used as um, natural antibiotics. So I was really using as much as I could in my body to help me. And with a mixture of those, I was able to get through my day-to-day -day life the best I could. And it wasn't successful all the time, but um, I was able to manage some of my workload and my life. But oftentimes I would wake up, go to work for a few hours, come home and sleep and just feel like I had the flu every single day for months on end. Let me let me let me interrupt for a second and just uh, explain to the to the viewers. Uh, you are you live in in the Adirondacks. Uh, yes. Our family is from, and you're an avid hiker. And you you, I'm assuming this is how you contracted, you know, Lyme. Uh, but you're an, a really active woman. You know, you you're always taking these hikes, going to. Mount Marcy, Mount this, Mount that, you know, yeah. so how active were you able to maintain through this first period of Lyme? I wasn't able to do really anything. Um, even hanging out with my friends was difficult. It took that much energy to maintain relationships. People didn't understand why I wasn't able to hang out they saw me going to work a little bit and because i am cheery and positive like i still maintain that personality but i also had to protect myself and give myself time to rest and and regroup in order to move on to the next day or to do what i might need to do um but yeah i do believe i contracted it when i was hiking i never saw a tick uh, on me and i always checked myself and i always used preventative measures to make sure i you know hopefully wouldn't get a tick bite but at that point, um, I was slowly losing friends, actually, because they were wanting to go do things and hang out, and I just couldn't do it. And they kind of, I don't know if they didn't believe that I was as sick as I was at the time, which is something I experienced a lot throughout having Lyme disease, is it isolates you from people because it's hard for other people to understand and accept that you're sick for that long on a daily basis and that there's no real light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Um, fortunately, at the time, I had a really supportive boyfriend who always was able to help me, um, whether it was going to the store and getting me probiotics to help balance out the antibiotics or mm -hmm. going to the um, You know, you have to take a lot of different measures, such as cutting out dairy, anything that's going to cause inflammation. So I went from eating really whatever I wanted, maintaining a healthy lifestyle, to cutting out gluten, never drinking, never having any diet or dairy and um, no caffeine, just as simple as I could on my body so that my body could heal at that point. <laughs> That's like horrifying to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, so circle back a little bit. Um, the depression that you spoke about, I wanna talk to you a little bit about that. Do you think that that is 
um, a sort of symptom of Lyme or is it a sort of uh, reaction to what you're going through and feeling isolated and feeling you know, that your friends aren't understanding? In other words, do you think that maybe as well as affecting your physical body, Lyme, did it also affect your state of mind? As you said, you were confused and couldn't remember things. Or so was it like, was the Lyme causing the depression or was it just what the Lyme was doing to you physically that was causing depression? Or is it, I mean, it doesn't matter, I'm just curious. Yeah, it, it, I think Lyme does biologically have an impact on depression because from, um, I did have an MRI taken because my a mental state, and even to this day, I have a hard time remembering even talking to you about my experience because I truly have limited memory at this point. Um, it's one of the longer lasting effects I've had. But um, I had an MRI, which did show that the infection did cross my brain blood barrier and they could see it within my brain. And that was why I was experience, experiencing such intense um, mental problems. But I think in general, because it, your body is working so hard, you're going through all of this stuff, it's, it's kind of a twofold where they, they snowball effect into each other and you end up kind of getting a little bit of the Lyme causing the depression and your body fighting and fighting and fighting. And then, you know, always feeling tired, losing your friends and like more of the emotional aspect of it. They, they combine and they just cause an overall very drastic amount of depression, anxiety, um, and the, the isolation factor to the point where, I mean, I, and I, I know a lot of people who have Lyme disease have felt this way. And there's um, a lot of studies that go on about people who have Lyme disease that contemplate whether life's worth living or not, not in a manner of having suicidal thoughts, but like really truly not feeling like you have anything to live for because you're just so desperate for help to feel better. Right. Um, and I ended up seeing a, a therapist for it because I was getting to that point at the end of two years ago in December, I started seeing someone and it, from her, I was able to identify the feelings I was feeling, knowing where they were stemming from and what I could do to help myself get through them. And she was somebody that really helped me on the, with the emotional aspect of Lyme. And ironically, no matter how much she helped me, when I ended up feeling better, and I talked to her today about this, like, um, kind of going back through what we had gone through, she said that there was an, an immense change from when I started feeling better, that my personality instantly came back, my energy levels came back. Um, so it, I really truly think the bacteria that's in your body is just so intense that you truly are pretty much just a wreck, like in all aspects. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about specifically is, about this whole thing is, um, it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you know a lot more about this stuff than I do, uh, that this is a relatively new um, disease. And like the emotional component alone, um, let alone like fucking the CDC and what they were telling you, um, that it seems like because it's so new, um, you know, are there like protocols for helping pe people get through all of these different things and, and knowing the nuance of all of the, you know, the emotional aspect of it and, and depression and, and all of this. Um, do you have a sense of where the medical slash psychological community is 
in this era of Lyme? Unfortunately, the medical community is, I don't think, as accepting of Lyme. I, a lot of times you'll hear that they'll prescribe people the quick dose of antibiotics. And, so, you know, sometimes it does work. Sometimes people don't have, if, the, if you have Lyme in you for a long time, um, which in my case, I think that I had contracted it for at least a month or two. So it was running its course through my body without me knowing. Um, but the longer it's in you, the more damage it can do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the typical protocol, which is, I think, the first time you get bit is about 10 days of doxycycline up to a month, but usually no much, not much more than that. Um, I was a fighter. I knew I wasn't right. I knew that I had lost a lot of my ability to, um, like I said, I, like you said, I, I couldn't hike anymore. I, I honestly couldn't even walk up my stairs. I was struggling because my knee pain at that point had gotten so severe that I was struggling to walk up my stairs um, and feeling extreme amounts of arthritis. So I just kept fighting and I think that's what it takes is you have to have a doctor that will listen to you. You have to be pers persistent. It was very expensive. I had to pay a copay every single time I went to my primary, even if it was just to be like, Hey, my heart rate's weird. Like I just, you know, I'm experiencing X, Y, Z, um, just to kind of keep track of everything that was going on. And even the infectious disease doctor that I ended up seeing in my case, I was fortunate because a, there's not a lot of infectious disease doctors that will take, the time to treat a Lyme patient because they they feel like the antibiotics alone will do the trick. Um, people see Lyme specialists, which are not covered by insurance and ex extremely expensive. Uh, insurance actually doesn't cover, and we can talk about that later, insurance doesn't actually cover a lot of the um, medicine that you need to get better off of Lyme, um, especially once you've gone through the, like, the original protocol. Emotionally and psychologically, I think there's a bigger support for people with Lyme because mental health therapists and stuff, they see it a lot and they help people cope with the depressive uh, episodes and feelings of isolation that they'll feel. And then there's a very large Lyme community that support each other. And that's where I found a lot of the support and reassurance that I wasn't alone mm -hmm. and other people were experiencing the same symptoms as I was. And um, kind of, we would like, you know, there's forums where you can ask questions and people will help you identify different ways that you can go about getting help or treatment or what might work or why you might be feeling this way. So a lot of it is the Lyme patients helping each other and guiding each other through what they're going through and sticking together, knowing that there's not a lot of help out there in the medical community. Right. I, be I believe um, you listed a, a, a few websites and uh, resources that we're going to put in the show notes for folks that, you know, that want to learn more about, you know, the support and, and things. Um, raw LSMD, uh, lunar healing, Lyme. I'm probably pronouncing these really bad. I'm going to put those in the show notes. Um, so, all right, if you don't mind, why the fuck does insurance not cover this? I don't understand. This is, this is, not like a make-believe disease. Uh, is this the newness of it all, or what, what do you? They, I think there's, you know, there's a conspiracy theory about Lyme that it's in people's heads that they're not as sick as they are. Um, I don't really have an answer for why the insurance companies don't cover some of the treatments that you need to get help from Lyme. Mm -hmm. But what was funny is I had a great insurance to the point where it would cover my acupuncture 
and all of that that I was doing. But when I went on the UV treatment for antibiotics, it did not cover a dime of it. I had to pay for all of it out of pocket. <laughs> Can you talk to me about what that was like, like the UV? It almost sounds like chemotherapy. What, what it, like, how long was the treatment? What did it, did it have any side effects or what was that like? I was really scared. Um, the infectious disease doctor, she had mentioned it and she was like, let's see if we can get through some of these other antibiotics and if we see any increases um, and improvements. And then if not, what she was suggesting is to getting the IV antibiotics, which were, it's called rocephin is what I got. And uh, it's a very, very strong antibiotic. And it, your body doesn't have to absorb it, absorb it through your stomach. So it goes right into your bloodstream. And that's why it's a lot more effective. But it was extremely scary. My, I remember the first day I went to the hospital, my appointments were at 7 a.m. So every morning I left my house at 6.30, went to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, the nurses that were there were absolutely wonderful. They made me feel very welcomed. I had to get uh, what's called a pick line. So it goes right into my system and I didn't have to continually get a different um, U or IV every single day. So they could just put the medicine in me, but it was always in my arm. I always had to keep it covered. I couldn't get it wet. Um, and for about probably an hour, an hour and a half, they would put a little bag of antibiotics in me and I would leave and go to work. And every day I went there, it was just becoming like part of my everyday life. For a month and a half, I went seven days a week, no matter if it was Saturday or Sunday, 7 a.m. And a port, like sticking yeah. your arm the whole time? Yeah. Like a, like a colostomy bag or, <laughs> forgive me, but like a bag of it, like. It goes like right here on your upper arm and they can just stick the IV right in there so they don't have to continually give you um, you know, an IV in your hand every single day because A, that's painful. And um, when you're getting so much IV treatment, it's just a little bit, it, it it's, uh, reduces the amount of error for infection too because you're not going to be continually opening up. Oh, I see, I see. But the actual, um, I'm sorry, this is fascinating to me. You're not going to work with the bag of antibiotics, right? Like they do it there and they just leave the port for the next day. Okay. Yep, they, they cap it and they put a little mesh, um, I don't, a little mesh armband on you. And you know, when you shower, you put a plastic bag over it so you don't get it wet. They, they took it out of me once. So I had like one day where I didn't have the port in through all of that, but ultimately I had it in every single day. And you know, just making sure it was clean. Like you couldn't ever have your cap fall off because then you could possibly get um, whatever into your port, which goes right into your body, and that would just cause more problems. So, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. So, you did that seven days a week for a month and a half. Yes. What was it like? Was, was, could you tell what, as you were going through this month and a half long process, um, was it making you feel better? Were you having side effects? And then, what was it like at the end? And could they, were they able to kind of diagnose that, you know, the, the, it was killing the bacteria, that it was working, you know? Um, I think one of the biggest telltale signs was I was able to identify that I was feeling better. It was probably a good two and a half, three weeks where I had adjusted to the medicine. I really didn't feel too many side effects from it, mm. which was great. I had felt so many side effects prior. Um, 
but yeah, it was probably, probably the third week I felt myself feeling better. And then my vitals had changed. I was really having rapid heartbeats, high blood pressure. My temperature was all over the place. I always had a fever and, um, little by little, my heart rate and my blood pressure were normalized. My temperature was always at a normal rate. So even the nurses, my color was coming back to my face, my energy getting better. And by the end of the month and a half, I, I've, I was at the point where I didn't even feel like I needed to go anymore, but um, you have to finish out your antibiotics fully, like they always tell you. Right. So right. at the end, I, I looked at the nurses and I thanked them and I we all like hugged and embraced each other because it was a significant change. I felt more like myself. I wasn't 100% like I am now, but at that point, I truly felt like that was what I needed in order to really remove as much of the bacteria as I could in order to be a better, healthier person. Um, you know, once you have Lyme, it's most likely that you always have the bacteria in your system, but mm -hmm. to an extent that it's not going to impact your everyday life like it was mine at the time. And then after the uh, antibiotics, they always test you. And I was tested again. Um, I did come up positive, but they weren't about to give me any more antibiotics, nor did I want any, because at that point I felt my body needed to improve its immune system. So I went the route where I, at that point, just worked on improving my immune system to help continue to better myself, knowing that that treatment was probably as extensive as I needed to go in order to fight the Lyme. And that's such good news. And how long ago was this month and a half? It's a couple of years ago, yeah? Here, last summer was my official ending of the infusion therapy. And then by Probably this time last year, actually, I was starting to really feel better where I went on my first high peak hike um, in October and was able to successfully do two pretty big mountains with a little bit of pain. But I did hike my first 18 miles, which is pretty astonishing after being so sick with Lyme and not being able to even walk up my stairs. Right. And so um, are there any, like, how are the residual effects on your knees and your joints and the arthritis issue? Like. Um, Go ahead. I hope. Is that depression? Uh, the depression is gone. The joint pain still is there. Um, in order to hike, I do sometimes have to carry tramadol with me. And I've talked to my therapist about that because I feel like I shouldn't have to rely on a medicine to make me feel like I can hike. But she also said that if it's something that I really want to do, that it's not my fault. That um, It's what I need to kind of help me. It's, a, it's an anti-inflammatory as well as a pain reliever. So when I'm doing 20 miles of hiking, it will help alleviate the stiff, stiffness of the joints that I do experience. Um, but it's usually only if I'm doing hiking or if the weather's changing. I know people say that, but it's true. When yeah. the weather changes, I definitely feel my knees ache. I wanna, I wanna show you something, one sec. So I have, it's manageable, but I have sciatica. Um, this is the only stuff that I've tried, trying to like, it's a CBD cream. Yes. There I love when I was sick with Lyme. Oh my God. It's like miracle. Like it I really put it on and it, it like instantly is better. And I thought for the longest time, because it was just me, right? And then I have a neighbor that 
has back pain and another uh, neighbor down the street. And on both of them, I put a, you know, a little, you know, a little bit of a, a cream, rubbed it in, and I said, tell me how this feels. And they said, it feels instantly better. It's like magic. I, I honestly don't know um, how it works. But so, so you, you've, you've tried CBD stuff. It's amazing, right? I, I tried anything that would help me. And CBD was something that I used often. Um, I used the cream. I also ate like the gummy bears. And it was very, like for a topical relief on my knees, absolutely, I loved it. Um, magnesium oil was also something I used for aches and pains. Um, I would spray it on me and uh, it would alleviate some of the pains that I had mm -hmm. and help me sleep and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the, the joint pain was probably the only thing that I still really feel. And then the memory loss, which I don't know if I'll ever regain my memory, but I do the best I can without having such a strong memory. You know, honestly, when you first started, started talking about the memory loss, I'm thinking like, she's, she's describing me because I've always been like this. Like, I have no, I have nothing to blame it on. I can't even blame it on age because honestly, I've always been. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, have to embrace it. I, I mean, I've learned to. You know, there's just no point in in fighting it. Um, have you, um, have you noticed from when was the beginning of all of this? By the way. So it must have been June of 2018, because 2019 I was on the infusion therapy, and now I feel like I've been healthy for a year. Okay. Um, so in terms of, I keep harping on this, but it, it's just, I, I really want people to, to understand this and I want to understand it. Um, the joint pain, the arthritis thing, um, is there any sense that it's dissipating over time or is, is it just gonna be a manageable thing that's always there, do you know? You know, I make it manageable on my day-to-day I mean, -day life. It doesn't bother me. I, I mean, I do do a very aggressive hiking, so I do have a little bit of a different situation. I feel as though um, if I weren't so active in hiking in the high peaks every week that maybe I wouldn't experience it so much, but it's hard to tell because I, I do hike every week and I do um, at, at minimum 15 miles a week, so. Well, I mean... I would also posit that it's because you're so active um, and have such a good outlook in life, but, but especially, you know, being that active, I would all, all you know, of course there's going to be certain, you know, physical things that are going to happen, but that would happen no matter what, I think. Right. I, I, I feel like, you know, there's that, that mantra that um, healthy body, healthy mind. Like the fact that you're so active, if you were the type of person that wasn't, I think you'd be in a lot worse shape, you know, because you're so, you know, like, go, 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 go. I think that's really helpful. And again, I think, listen to me, I'm talking like I'm a doctor. Um, <laughs> of course, being that active is going to like, I'm just put my... <laughs> Your white coat on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I, and I've seen it over and over again, especially upstate where we're from. Um, 
it seems like there's two camps of people, those that, that are active still, and even in, into their 70s are so much better off than those people that are not, you know, the sort of sedimentary. Um, my cats are going crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I got to, come here. I want to introduce you. No, of course not. Um, so we have a now, Miss Margot Channing. Oh, hi there. Oh, that's Hank. She is so beautiful. <laughs> yes. uh, to the camera. What's that? You want me to bring it to the cam? Bring it to the camera. People, her eyes. Look at how cute. The eyes. Oh my god. <laughs> He's so sweet. Um, it, you know, I think what, when you're exercising and you're staying active, it, you're, you're working on your immune system, you're working on your overall mind, body, health, spirituality, um, pushing your limits, self-determination. I mean, there's a lot of deep-seated characteristics that you have to tap into in order to continue to live an active, active lifestyle. But I want to really bring a point up that um, slowing down was also really important because I, I had the mindset that I wanted to just keep going and going and going. And because I couldn't, I was getting down on myself even more. And my therapist had introduced me to meditation. And I felt that my the meditation that I practice daily was another component to what helped me truly get better. I was able to cope with some feelings, slow down, um, tap into my spirituality even deeper, be a little bit less um, hard on myself, knowing that it wasn't really my fault that I was going through this, and that um, kind of getting back in touch with myself through meditation was uh, a big component. And even to this day, daily, whether it's at night or in the morning, I meditate for at minimum 20 minutes a day. Mm. That's There's fantastic. a app light timer actually that you can look at and you can um choose any type of meditation that you feel like you want to tap into on that day what's the app called insight timer i'm gonna write this down in the show notes it's a wonderful app timer app uh hold on one second meditation app insight like i-n-s-i-g-t yep that's okay cool um well, I think it's a real, I, I'm glad you brought this up too, because um, giving your body and your mind a chance to sort of slow down and catch up and give yourself that, that, the time out, you know, to, to heal and to begin, you know, these antibiotic treatments for a month and a half and all of that. How has your, how has your diet changed? Are you um dairy gluten dairy um i wasn't really able to drink at all which was tough times because my friends you know it was summertime people wanted to go out and go to the breweries and stuff i absolutely could not drink beer if i were to have a drink it'd have to be something like vodka or tequila which wasn't going to have too many um of those inflammatory effects oh. and I, I even to this day, I take probiotics all the time because when you're taking antibiotics, it strips your gut of, of all of good and bad um, bacteria. So I was always taking antibiotics. I ate weird food. <laughs> Just uh, a lot of uh, probiotic food like kimchi, any fermented food that I could drink, kefir, yogurt. Right. Uh, so 
that's how my diet kind of changed. And I, I didn't mind it because I actually felt better all around. And I also stayed away from red meat and a lot of, um, you know, things that you just, you hear aren't good for you. But when you're really sick, you're like, I'm going to just make sure because I don't want to feel any worse. I ate a lot of salmon so much that I don't really like it anymore. But um, <laughs> a lot, you know, anything that had a lot of high nutritional value to support my body and what it was going through. Nice. Um, no sugar. You can never have any sugar when you have Lyme disease because the spirochets, the bacteria thrive on sugar. Oh, man. Yep. That, it will make you so much stronger. That's really good to know. These are so, I'm really glad that we're, I'm hoping that this helps people, you know, because I do think there's, you know, there's so much unknown to all of this and the fact that you've gone through it and you've come off the other side of it is just really inspiring. And I think it's gonna be hopefully um, really helpful for people to understand what all is involved in this, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and all of that. Um, so we talked, I think we, I'm going through our list of questions here. Where are you now? What helped you get here? Um, Talk to me about the emotional aspect of, of this and, and what, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about it, but like what motivated you to know, you know, A, here's a bunch of shit I have to overcome, but that B, um, you pushed through it and, and, you know, like you said earlier, gave yourself some you know, time to sort of back up and, and check yourself and not go, 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 you know, but you're still working this whole time, right? You know, living your life and, and everything. Um, how, I'm just fascinated, like, how were you able to do it? I mean, I don't know if that's a question that anybody can answer, but like, I dig really deep, um, and I actually, you have to really want it. It's, it's easy to fall into this mindset where it, you're never going to get better. This is my life. Nothing's going to help me. Mm -hmm. I'm doing all things and I'm not seeing any results. And there was a, a time where I was like, I know I can get better. How am I going to do this? It was a day by day approach where I had to make sure I was seeing the positives of the day. Mm -hmm. um, I great amount of support from people at work who were gentle with me when I was forgetful all the time, um, or brought humor into my life to help me laugh through the really tough days. Um, so having a strong support group in my personal life was very, very helpful. Um, but ultimately, looking at myself in the mirror and just keep, keep pushing, keep pushing, identify when you're having good days, identify what's making you have a better day, being gentle with yourself if you're not having a good day and accepting that you might just need to rest because your body just needs to rest. Um, right. Being with myself that I might not be able to, I w at the time I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go back and hike and accepting that I might have some changes in my life that um, maybe I'd have to do some different activities in order to pursue my passion of being outside. But I think that meditation and connecting with my soul and working with my spirituality to push through and be strong enough and and work on it every day it took work it wasn't something that happened just because of the antibiotics um and the protocol amazing amazing 
Um, so I think I think we answered that last question that we were going to go go over. Um, in what I guess the, the a good way to wrap this up is in what ways has this been a positive impact on your life? It has brought a great sense of appreciation for being healthy and for my body really, I mean, we, I feel like a lot of times we take advantage of, advantage of our bodies because we just expect it to always be there. And um, I thank my body. I'm, I, this might sound silly, but like even when I'm hiking, I'll, I'll in my head be like, thank you lungs, thank you heart. Mm -hmm. And just really embracing the fact that like all of these components are working together to do what I wanna do. And um, I, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for my life. Um, I'm eternally grateful and recognize the importance of having strong, supportive people in your life um, to be able to work and not have that taken away from me. And that, you know, being able to share my story and empathize with other people to let them know that they're not alone and that they really can get better. And it's, it's not an easy road and it's different for every single person. Some people are able to overcome it within a couple of months. Other people experience these symptoms and um, impacts for years and they might not know why or even that they have Lyme. And when they do, there's not as much help at that point. So, you know, being there and somebody who can help communicate and ensure that they're, they're heard and that they don't feel like they're just kind of being lost in the shuffle, that there's other people out there that know that this is true and that what they're going through is real. Right. Bravo. I think it's fantastic. It's so inspiring, honestly, you know, and I think the, the fact that you approach this from like a multi-pronged thing, like there's antibiotics, there's acupuncture, there's therapy, you know, and, and meditation and, and all of these things in concert. Um, thank God you have the support. But I think it's also you had, you have this, you're open to these things and you, you know, research. And if you didn't know about something, you learn about it. And the fact that you're open to all of this stuff, I think is what helped you overcome it, you know, and, and live to tell. You know, I'm going to get all of my clothes. Uh, <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad we talked about this. Um, did we cover everything? So we're going to, I'm going to put the resources in the show notes for people to, um, you know, research on their own. Um, I'm looking over the questions. I think we covered everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Let me check the. Oh, we did it in like 40 minutes. <laughs> Very nice. Because apparently, I'm, I'm just learning this now, and I've been using Zoom for a while. Um, it says that you're only allowed to do like uh, a 40-minute group chat. Um, and, and then if it's anything longer, you have to sign up for the, the profile, which is really not. It's like 100 bucks a month. But I've not had this problem, so it's not. It's still recording. What I realized earlier, I was gonna, I was gonna send you an invite. I shouldn't even say this, but Zoom is gonna like be listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think just like starting a starting a chat, like giving you the the code or whatever to to log in, that seems fine. And I've I've had chats that have gone like an hour, hour and ten, or whatever. 
Um, it's when you try to schedule it. Like even today, I was going to schedule it like an hour. Hence, you know, uh, five o'clock. It wasn't letting me do that because it said you have to sign up for the pro thing. So I think I found out. I think I found a, a way out of that. So that's my that's my tip for Zoom, y'all, because everyone's using Zoom now. Um, just don't schedule it and just have at your chats, you know, and and they can go on, you know, as long as you want them to. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been great. Way Off the Record has been written, produced, and edited by Scott Ambrosino and Christian Hernandez. Our music is by the amazing Marie Tree. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. And reach out to us on social media. We can be reached at the at sign W-O-T-R pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>